Chapter 3 of Yechezkel, the very end of Chapter 2, which is a continuation of Chapter 1. Fiyato ben Adam, Shema it asher ani medaber elecha, alti meri kebeta meri, tseipicha vechol et asher ani notein elecha. So Yechezkel is commanded, don't be rebellious like the rebellious breed that I send you to. Open up your mouth and eat what I give you. I saw, says Yechezkel, in verse number 9, there was a hand, a hand stretched out to me, and with a written scroll, he unrolled it before me, it was inscribed on both the front and the back. On it were written lamentations, dirges, and woes. It's actually very interesting that the scroll that he's given, we are told, was written on front and back. It reminds us of the Torah's description of the tablets that Moshe brings down from the mountain. Prior to the episode of the golden calf, he's bringing down the Torah from the mountain, the tablets that he will smash, and they're written on both sides. They have the work of God written on both sides. And over here, Yechezkel was given a Megillat Sefer, a scroll, written on both sides. And perhaps, already over here at the end of chapter 2, it uh, foreshadows what is one of the interesting features of the book of Yechezkel. You know, the book of Yechezkel, the Talmud says, there was a question whether to, whether to accept the book of Yechezkel into the canon or not. And the reason that a question was raised whether to accept this book as part of our holy canon was because there are many things in the book that seem to contradict what it says in the Torah. One might say a new Torah. And I wonder over here, already at the end of chapter 2, he's given a Torah as it were, but this Torah is written in it, Kini Vahegevahi, Dirges, Woes, and Lamentations. And now, the story continues in chapter 3 in our chapter, and he is instructed, Ben Adam, that term as we know is he encounters so many times in Yechezkel, human being, mortal, eat, eat what I give you, and go and speak to Israel. So the words are ingested by him, and he is to convey what he ingests to the people of Israel. And we are told that Yechezkel does what God commands Yechezkel to do. For Avtachet Pi, Vayomrei Ben Adam, Bitnacha, Teacheo Meacha Tamalei, Eitamagiwa Azot, Asherani Notenelecha, Folchua, Vatibafi, Kedvash Ulmatok. I ate it at God's command, and it tasted as sweet as honey. But what's interesting here is that here it speaks of Yechezkel eating the scroll, one might say ingesting the prophecy. And it reminds us of verses both in the book of Yirmiyahu, I call Yirmiyahu the parallel prophet to Yechezkel, and also in Yeshayahu. In those stories, God places the prophecy in the mouth of or touches the mouth of Yeshayahu in chapter 6. In the case of Yirmiyahu, God, one might say, puts the prophecy in his mouth. But he doesn't swallow the prophecy. And over here with Yechezkel, he's actually swallowing the prophecy. In other words, with Yirmiyahu, Yirmiyahu's concern is, I, I won't know what to say. Very similar to Moses' concern when he's first called. I'm not a speaker, I'm not a talker, I don't know what to say. 
And over here, it doesn't appear so much he doesn't know what to say, is that somehow he is the prophecy. He represents the prophecy. And he's told in the next verse, in chapter 3, verse 4, Vayomer Eli ben Adam, so we now commanded to go speak to Israel, now that he swallowed the prophecy. It's interesting, the prophecy he swallows is described as being very, very sweet. The description of the people over and over again in these chapters is Beit HaMeri. Now, Meri, on one hand, means rebellious. On the other hand, Meri is probably related to the word mar, which means bitter. What is sweet to him is bitter to the others. In other words, what you have in Yechezkel, actually, unlike Yirmiyahu, and this is very central, is that with Yirmiyahu there's always a sense of deep empathy. Yirmiyahu empathizes with the people. Yirmiyahu also empathizes with God, and therein lies the internal conflict, the internal contradiction, within the prophet Yirmiyahu. And Yirmiyahu often goes back to God and complains. Now, in the book of Yechezkel, we have on one or two occasions where Yechezkel expresses concern for the people. But that's rare. With Yirmiyahu, it's a fundamental feature of the book. That's not true in Yechezkel. So here it's very interesting. The prophecy for him tastes sweet. But for the people, it's anything but sweet. Kinyin v'hegev v'hi, woes and lamentations, one might say, Beitameri, the bitter house. For the bitter house, there are bitter tidings. In any event, Yechezko is to go to the people and to speak to the people. And chapter 3 continues, Kilo el-am im kesafa uchvedei l'ashon ata kivdei l'ashon ata shaluach al-bet Yisrael. You're not being sent to a people who are of unintelligible speech and difficult language, but rather to the house of Israel. You're not being sent, the text continues, you're not being sent to other peoples who will not understand your language, and you will understand their language. Those people who can't understand well would obey what you say. It's paradoxical. The people that understand you, they're not going to listen to you. They can hear in the sense of hearing, but not hearing in the sense of understanding or a sense of obedience. This too reminds us of verses in Yeshayahu, where the prophet speaks about going to the people, but the people not actually understanding what you're saying, not being able to appreciate what you're saying. And that prophecy of Yeshayahu, which is in the Ashkenazic tradition, the Haftorah, for the beginning of the book of Exodus, suggests that actually the prophecy of the prophet, those to whom the prophecy is given, ostensibly won't understand, but the young children, the babies, they are the ones who might understand. And that's the Haftorah for the beginning of the book of Exodus, because in fact, Moshe is being sent to deliver Israel from bondage, but much more than that, he has a vision for the future, but at the end of the day, the community that actually will be able to fulfill Moses' vision are not the people he takes out of Egypt. Those people 
will not understand, will not be able to make it to the promised land. It's rather the next generation. Over here, it's different. Same kind of language, but over here, the people who understand your words specifically are the ones who are not going to be able to fulfill the prophecy. Won't be able to obey, to listen, and therefore won't be able to change. And here, the text continues in chapter 3, verse number 8. And God says to Yechezkel, I will make your face as hard as theirs, your forehead as brazen as theirs, like adamant, harder than flint. Do not fear them. Do not be dismayed by them, though they are a rebellious breed, or perhaps for they are a rebellious breed. And here, too, I think we have an interesting difference between Yirmiyahu on one end and Yechezkel on the other. It is true that God says to Yechezkel, don't be afraid. That we have in Yechezkel, that we certainly have in Yirmiyahu. What we don't find in Yechezkel are statements like, I will save you, I will deliver you. That we don't have. There's never a sense in the book of Yechezkel that Yechezkel is in danger. There's no danger. In the case of Yirmiyahu, tragic figure of Yirmiyahu, God says there will be danger. And in fact, in the book of Yirmiyahu, there's a lot of danger. He's almost killed on more than one occasion. He's jailed several times. So there's a real sense in Yirmiyahu of being in danger. In the sense of Yechezkel, it's more that he's an outsider. In the language of the text, so fair, a seer, a scout, a lookout. You are to be there to represent me, says God, they will know the prophet is in their midst. They'll understand my path, and they will have been warned. Now, as far as the community is concerned, they're not going to listen to what you say. However, however, in the book of Yechezkel, it is true that even though the community is not going to listen, but there is a chance that the individual may listen. And this is picked up on in the continuation of chapter 3, where God speaks about warning the people. If you don't warn them, you're going to be held responsible for their crimes. But if you warn them, and somebody actually listens to what you're saying and repents, that's all positive. So there is a sense that repentance is possible, perhaps on the individual level. But for the community, God instructs Yechezkel, they are, in fact, the rebellious house.